Section 9 of Essays, Book 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Thomas Kuz Kuzmarski. Essays, Book 1, by Michel de Montaigne. Translated by Charles Cotton. Chapter 9 of Liars. There is not a man living whom it would so little become to speak from memory as myself, for I have scarcely any at all, and do not think that the world has another so marvellously treacherous as mine. My other faculties are all sufficiently ordinary and mean, but in this I think myself very rare and singular, and deserving to be thought famous. Besides the natural inconvenience I suffer by it, for, certes, the necessary use of memory considered, Plato had reason when he called it a great and powerful goddess. In my country, when they would say a man has no sense, they say such an one has no memory. And when I complain of the defect, of mine, they do not believe me, and reprove me, as though I accuse myself for a fool. Not discerning the difference betwixt memory and understanding, which is to make matters still worse for me, but they do me wrong. For experience, rather, daily shows us, on the contrary, that a strong memory is commonly coupled with infirm judgment. They do me, moreover, who am so perfect in nothing as in friendship, a great wrong in this, that they make the same words which accuse my infirmity, represents me for an ungrateful person, they bring my affections into question upon the account of my memory, and from a natural imperfection make out a defect of conscience. He has forgot, says one, this request or that promise. He no more remembers his friends. He has forgot to say or do or conceal such and such a thing for my sake. And truly, I am apt enough to forget many things. But to neglect anything my friend has given me in charge, I never do. And it should be enough, methinks, that I feel the misery and inconvenience of it, without branding me with malice, a vice so contrary to my humour. However, I derive these comforts from my infirmity. First, that it is an evil from which, principally, I have found reason to correct a worse. That would easily enough have grown upon me, namely ambition. The defect being intolerable, in those who take upon them public affairs, that, like examples in the progress of nature, demonstrate to us she has fortified me in my other faculties proportionably, as she has left me unfurnished in this. I should otherwise have been apt implicitly to have reposed my mind and judgment upon the bare report of other men, without ever settling them to work upon their own force, had the inventions and opinions of others 
been ever been present with me by the benefit of memory that by this means i am not so talkative for the magazine of the memory is even better furnished with matter than that of the invention had mine been faithful to me i had ere this deafened all my friends with my babble the subjects themselves arousing and stirring up the little faculty i have of handling and employing them heating and distending my discourse which were a pity as i have observed in several of my intimate friends who as their memories supply them with an entire and full view of things begin their narratives so far back and crowd it with so many impertinent circumstances that though the story be good in itself they make a shift to spoil it and if otherwise you are either to curse the strength of their memory or the weakness of their judgment and it is a hard thing to close up a discourse and to cut it short when you have once started there is nothing wherein the force of a horse is so much seen as in a round and sudden stop i see even those who are pertinent enough who would but cannot stop short in their career for whilst they are seeking out a handsome period to conclude with they go on at random straggling about upon impertinent trivialities as men staggering upon weak legs but above all old men who retain the memory of things past and forget how often they have told them are dangerous company and i have known stories from the mouth of a man of very great quality otherwise very pleasant in themselves become very wearisome by being repeated a hundred times over and over again to the same people secondly that by this means i the less remember the injuries i have received insomuch that as the ancient said cicero pro ligur c twelve i should have a register of injuries or a prompter as darius who that he might not forget the offence he had received from those of athens so oft as he sat down to dinner ordered one of his pages three times to repeat in his ear sir remember the athenians herod v one o five and then again the places which i revisit and the books i read over again still smile upon me with a fresh novelty it is not without good reason said that he who has not a good memory should never take upon him the trade of lying i know very well that the grammarians nigidius aelus gellius eleven to nonius v eighty distinguish betwixt an untruth and a lie and say that to tell an untruth is to tell a thing that is false but that we ourselves believe to be true and that the definition of the word to lie in latin from which our french is taken is to tell a thing which we know in our conscience to be untrue and it is of this last sort of liars only that i now speak 
Now, these do either wholly contrive and invent the untruths they utter, or so alter and disguise a true story that it ends in a lie. When they disguise and often alter the same story, according to their own fancy, tis very hard for them, at one time or another, to escape being trapped, by reason that the real truth of the thing, having first taken possession of the memory, and being there lodged impressed by the medium of knowledge and science, it will be difficult that it should not represent itself to the imagination, and shoulder out falsehood, which cannot there have so sure and settled footing as the other. And the circumstances of the first true knowledge evermore running in their minds will be apt to make them forget those that are illegitimate, and only forged by their own fancy. In what they wholly invent, for as much as there is no contrary impression to jostle their invention, there seems to be less danger of tripping, and yet even this by reason, it is a vain body and without any hold, it is very apt to escape the memory, if it be not well assured. Of which I had very pleasant experience, at the expense of such as profess only to form and accommodate their speech to the affair they have in hand, or to humor of the great folks to whom they are speaking. For the circumstances to which these men stick, not to enslave their faith and conscience, being subject to several changes, their language must vary accordingly. Whence it happens that of the same thing they tell one man that it is this, and another that it is that, giving it several colors, which men, if they once come to confer notes, and find out the cheat, what becomes of this fine art? To which may be added, that they must of necessity very often ridiculously trap themselves for what memory can be sufficient to retain so many different shapes as they have forged upon one and the same subject. I have known many in my time very ambitious of the repute of this fine wit, but they do not see that if they have the reputation of it, the effect can no longer be. In plain truth, lying is an accursed vice. We are not men, nor have other tie upon one another, but by our word. If we did but discover the horror and gravity of it, we should pursue it with fire and sword, and more justly than other crimes. I see that parents commonly, and with discretion enough, correct their children for little faults, and torment them for wanton tricks that have neither impression nor consequence. Whereas, in my opinion, lying only, and which is of something a lower form, obstinacy, are the faults which are to be severely whipped out of them, both in their infancy and in their progress. Otherwise, they grow up and increase with them. And after a tongue has once got the knack of lying, 
tis not to be imagined how impossible it is to reclaim whence it comes to pass that we see some who are otherwise very honest men so subject and enslaved to this vice i have an honest lad to my tailor whom i never knew guilty of one truth no not when it had been to his advantage if falsehood had like truth but one face only we should be upon better terms for we should then take for certain the contrary to what the liar says but the reverse of truth has a hundred thousand forms and a field indefinite without bound or limit the pythagoreans make good to be certain and finite and evil infinite and uncertain there are a thousand ways to miss the white there is only one to hit it for my own part i have this vice in so great horror that i am not sure i could prevail with my conscience to secure myself from the most manifest and extreme danger by an impudent and solemn lie an ancient father says that a dog we know is better company than a man whose language we do not understand ut externus alieno bene non sit hominis vice as a foreigner cannot be said to supply us the place of a man pliny natural history seven one and how much less sociable is false speaking than silence king francis first vaunted that he had by this means nonplussed francesco taverna ambassador of francesco sforza duke of milan a man very famous for his science in talking in those days this gentleman had been sent to excuse his master to his majesty about a thing of very great consequence which was this the king still to maintain some intelligence with italy out of which he had lately been driven and particularly with the duchy of milan and particularly with the duchy of milan had thought it convenient to have a gentleman on his behalf to be with that duke an ambassador in effect but in outward appearance a private person who pretended to reside there upon his own particular affairs for the duke much more depending upon the emperor especially at a time when he was in a treaty of marriage with his niece daughter to the king of denmark who is now dowager of lorraine could not manifest any practice and conference with us without his great interest for this commission one merville a milanese gentleman and an equerry to the king being thought very fit was accordingly dispatched thither with private credentials and instructions as ambassador and with other letters of recommendations to the duke about his own private concerns the better to mask and color the business 
and was so long in that court that the emperor at last had some inkling of his real employment there which was the occasion of what followed after as we suppose which was that under pretence of some murder his trial was in two days dispatched and his head in the night struck off in prison messire francesco being come and prepared with a long counterfeit history of the affair for the king had applied himself to all the princes of christendom as well as to the duke himself to demand satisfaction had his audience at the morning council where after he had for the support of his cause laid upon several plausible justifications of the fact that his master had never looked upon this merveille for other than a private gentleman and his own subject who was there only in order to his own business neither had he ever lived under any other aspect absolutely disowning that he had ever heard he was one of the king's household or that his majesty so much as knew him so far was he from taking him for an ambassador the king in his turn pressing him with several objections and demands and challenging him on all sides tripped him up at last by asking why then the execution was performed by night and as it were by stealth at which the poor confounded ambassador the more handsomely to disengage himself made answer that the duke would have been very loth out of respect to his majesty that such an execution should have been performed by day any one may guess if he was not well rated when he came home for having so grossly tripped in the presence of a prince of so delicate a nostril as king francis pope julius the second having sent an ambassador to the king of england to animate him against king francis the ambassador having had his audience and the king before he would give an answer insisting upon the difficulties he should find in setting on foot so great a preparation as would be necessary to attack so potent a king and urging some reasons to that effect the ambassador very unreasonably replied that he had also himself considered the same difficulties and had represented them to the pope from which saying of his so directly opposite to the thing propounded and the business he came about which was immediately to incite him to war the king of england first derived the argument which he afterward found to be true that this ambassador in his own mind was on the side of the french of which having advertised his master his estate at his return home was confiscated and he himself very narrowly escaped the losing of his head erasmi o p seventeen o three four column six eighty four end of section nine recording by 
John Thomas Coos Kuzmarski. www.validateyourlife.com.